0: Hi and welcome to the Black Mum to Midwife podcast. First up, disclaimer. I'm a student midwife, so therefore I'm nowhere near qualified to giving any sort of medical advice. If you do have any issues or worries, please contact your GP, midwife or other healthcare professionals. Now that's out of the way, let's get on with the show. To another episode of the Black Mum to Midwife podcast, I'm Chelsea, your host, aka the Black Mum to Midwife, um, and I have entitled this episode "Sharing is Caring," and I think it's a really, really good little phrase to live by. Um, uh, whether you apply it to being at work, uh, in study, um, or even as a mum, I think it's just a really good way to live your life. Um, because sharing is caring. So I'm gonna talk a little bit about that um, in the different kind of areas of my life. The first one being when I um, when I was pregnant, I obviously knew some bits and pieces about pregnancy, but there was lots that I didn't know and I took it for myself to find out. So I went looking the usual places, I bought some books, um, I downloaded, like, apps, I discovered Baby Center, which was, had its good and bad points, <laughs> and, yeah, it just went from there, and I was just, like, reading all this information, blah, blah, blah. but what I found, like, really, really helpful, um, was sometimes, um, it was, it's, um, a group on Facebook, and it's called The Motherload, and literally, it's, like, the, I think I discovered it after I had the little one, actually, it may have been early postnatal period, but what I found so, so good about this group was it's kind of like a non judgmental space, let it all out. What's going on in your life? Look at this punami, like, look at the state of my house, like, I'm going on a date tonight, I'm gonna get late. It was just like, just the best group Um, and it was very different from some of the other ones I'd kind of tried and tested, not mentioning any names but I think you can guess, Um, that it would just be kind of like really weird and uh, really confrontational and really quite catty. Um, But the act of sharing um, is just so, so important, especially when you um become a parent for the first time because there's so much stuff that people do not tell you or they just fail to mention or like massive acts of omission you're just like what like so why did no one tell me about this or like you know like, why did no one tell you that, like, in your first trimester, you become, like, a walking whoopee cushion? Like, you have so much gas. Like, that was so awful. Like, <laughs> it was so awful. I was just farting all the time. It was just, oh, it was awful. Like, no one tells you about that kind of stuff. Everyone tells you about, oh, you know, the the, the sickness, you know, morning sickness or the tiredness or, you know... Yeah, that. No one tells you about, like, the farting and the uncomfortable bloating. Um, or no one tells you about, you know, the first number two after you've given birth, which was literally the most traumatic experience of my life. <laughs> I won't go TMI, but yeah. Um, if you know, you know. Um, and things like that. So I think it's really important, I think, to to share um, even something as simple as... I, um, suddenly, suddenly got boobs after, um, uh, after the birth of my little one, I was breastfeeding. So I was like, oh my gosh, like, obviously all my like teeny tiny little, like beasting bras, just not going to cut it now. So I need to buy like a bra, but I don't know where to get measured. And then I found this other group on Facebook, which is amazing called boob or bust. And it tells you like the correct way to measure for a bra. Um, and also gave you like loads of sites to get nursing bras from and there was another group called can I breastfeed in this and it's like people who are like um showing outfits that are like breastfeeding friendly which is like amazing group I love that group I'm still a member of it now because like people still post like really cute things to wear um <laughs> even though like my breastfeeding days are long gone but things like that just it just makes you feel less I don't want to say less alone because that sounds really sad, but care that sharing is caring, people. Sharing is caring. That's just like a couple of examples. Um, I remember planning our wedding and I joined like this forum and it was brilliant because everyone on there was like, we were all just trying to save money. We were all just trying to like do, have the wedding, like have a lovely day, but also not spend like a million bucks. So um places where you know if people were selling on their like wedding decor items if people found like um nice dresses or if people found like a really cool venues or it was just so nice and then we'd kind of share with like each other what our kind of ideas were and how things were going planning wise and our stresses and things like that and it was it was really nice we got like a little really nice little community of like 2015 like weddings um and on the day of each, each person's wedding we'd all write you know like a good luck message and it was it was just really nice to have that kind of online community of people who were also you know tearing their hair out at seating plans and worrying about favors and things like that so it can it can be in any area of your life if finding other people to share your experiences with, I think is so, so important because, yeah, I mean, no man's an island and all that stuff. And it's just nice, I think, when you're experiencing something and and people, other people are also experiencing something and then they understand what you're going through, what you're feeling, what you're worried about, what you're excited about. It's just really nice um, so that's just another example. I'm like running through these examples right now. But one that I really wanted to focus on was something that I've been thinking about recently. And it's sharing is caring, but applied to being a student midwife. So I have met so many really, really cool people who are also on their journeys to becoming midwives through uni and actually through social media as well. I've met quite a few really, really awesome people um, on social media, which sounds a bit weird, sounds a bit strange, but it's really interesting how you can connect with people who share um, your interests and passions and become really quite friendly. And it's really, really nice. So I've made like, yeah, I've made, I've made some Insta pals, which is really nice, um, who are also on this journey as well. So that like that kind of support that you have from someone that you don't you've never even met physically is um, to have that is is really really nice but when people are usually applying for midwifery Um, We're often told, oh, you know, it's really competitive. It's such a competitive course to get onto. You know, you might not even make it. Maybe just apply for something else. And which is really unhelpful, first of all. Um, It's a bit, it takes the wind out of your sails a bit when you really, really want something. And somebody's telling you, maybe not, maybe not for you. Maybe you won't do it. So I wish people would stop doing that, first of all. Um, So don't let that put you off. If you have been told that, and if you're thinking about applying and you've been told, oh, oh, maybe you you, you won't make it onto the course because it's so competitive, like, yeah, just, yeah. Yeah, wave them off, wave them off. Bye, Felicia. (laughs) Um, But don't let that put you off. Um, But I think that once you have got your grades, like, got your acceptance onto your course, you've got your unconditional offer, you're ready to go. I think that's when the competitive dial needs to be like turned down. And I think there's various reasons why I think that is. And it's because once you're on this course, the people in your cohort should not really be seen as your competition. Their jobs for everybody at the end of it. Like, with regards to how many catches you have, how many, what this has been signed off, that's been signed off, that, what other people are getting signed off, and what other people, how many catches other people are getting, is really none of your concern, (laughs) like to put it bluntly, it's, that's got nothing to do with you, what has got to do with you, is what you're getting signed off for yourself, how many how confident you're getting, how your skills are improving because at the end of the day you need to concentrate on your degree and you gaining the qualifications and the skills that you need to become the kind of midwife that you want to become. So I always think that once you're on the course the only really the really the only person you should be competing with is the one that looks back at you in the mirror. I don't think that your people in your cohort should be the ones that you're competing with because they're the ones that for these three years or however many years um you are on your journey, that they're the ones that are going to understand the the stress of, like, referencing these these report these literature reports. Ugh. Um, they're the ones that are gonna understand, you know, how excited you get over placentas. <laughs> um they're the ones that are gonna understand how your feet feel like your legs feel like jelly after a, a really busy shift. They're the ones that are gonna understand, you know, how exciting it is to like really start enjoying taking people's blood. Like these are the things that your cohort is going to understand because they're going through it the same time you're going through it. And I think your cohort are the ones that are really going to be the ones that help you get through it. You know, obviously you'll have um, encouragement and support from your partners, members of your family, friends who aren't, you know, friends who are not on your course. But these are the people that are really going to understand what you're going through. And I think it's far better to be helping each other through it in any way you can um than just to kind of be ah you're always competing you're always trying to outdo somebody or get like one up on somebody for this or for that like we all need to celebrate each other we all need to celebrate each other's wins we all need to um commiserate each other's losses we are like a little family essentially um and that's how that's why I think sharing is caring should really be applied to midwifery students and also being a midwife as well. There are times when, you know, the chisel's going to hit the fan and you're not going to have loads of staff on the shift and you're relying on your other colleagues to help out, you know, to pitch in to, so if you're doing this, they can make a start on, you know, your, the purple notes. You need people to get through this. You need your colleagues to get you through the day sometimes as as much as you need your cohort mates to get you through the course so being competitive and being like um you know there's no point stepping on anybody's neck to get to where you need to go because you're all making that journey together so that's my piece on sharing is caring So um on this episode of the Black Mum to Midwife podcast I have a very 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 special guest Leah Hazard who for those of you who don't know is a midwife and also a published author
1: Hi Leah Hello thank you so much for having me it's an absolute pleasure
0: Oh, thank you so much for joining me. Um, so Leah, um, as a guest on the broadcast, we like to kick things off with some getting to know you questions. So we'll jump right into those. So question number one is, what was the last book you read? And what did you either like or dislike about it?
1: So this is a great question because literally 20 minutes ago, I've just finished a book that came in the poster yesterday and I raced through it. And it was the new book from the GP, Dr. Amir Khan, who many of you will know from seeing on the telly um, on GPs Behind Closed Doors, and it's called uh, The Doctor Will See You Now. And it was great. I really enjoyed it. And as somebody who's written what I guess could be called a medical memoir, I'm always keen to read uh, other books in that genre. And definitely, if you've enjoyed seeing Dr. Khan on the telly, he's very sort of cheerful and friendly and compassionate, then that really comes through in the book. So would definitely recommend a nice, quick, enjoyable read.
0: Lovely. The more I speak to people, the more, the longer my TBR list is getting. I need to add, I'm adding more and more books, which is great. Yes. Um, So the second question is, what three things bring you joy?
1: Well, I was talking to my daughter a little while ago, we were having lunch together and I mentioned this question to her and she said, um, obviously, the first item would be herself, the second one would be her sister and the third one would be my dog. And she's not that wrong, actually. (laughs) So, I think I'll include uh, my family altogether in the first one. The second one, yes, will have to be my dog. If anybody follows me on Instagram, you know, I have a ridiculous French bulldog who I do post about every now and again in between birth stuff. Um, I was really reluctant to get a dog, and my kids pestered me for years and years and years. And finally, before one night shift, I just said, right, get a dog, tell me in the morning what you want, I'm away. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and there she was. So reluctantly, over three years, I've grown to love her. And um, the third thing on the list, I think I'm going to choose something which... um, sounds about sort of daft and obvious but it's food because one of my great pleasures in my downtime and something that really helps to sort of give me a bit of headspace and take me away from work and Guifery is cooking and baking and I love to cook
0: and I love to eat so that'll be my number three nice nice what's your favorite thing to cook sorry this is an extra question
1: (laughs) I know that's all right um Um, My favourite thing to cook? Well, actually, a total sort of lockdown cliche. Um, I I love to bake sort of cakes and cookies and sweet things, but over lockdown, I've decided to try and learn to make bread because it's much more time-consuming than what I would normally um, be able to fit in my day, and I really enjoyed it. So, yeah, I can make a mean loaf of bread now. Nice.
0: So, moving on to the next question. Um, If you were a WWE superstar or a boxer... Oh, there you are. (laughs) Um, What would be your entrance music?
1: Yeah, I had to think long and hard about this one, but I think it has to be Beyonce, Run the World. And the reason for that (laughs) is because um, I have this running playlist. And a couple of years ago, I set myself the really stupid challenge of running three half marathons in a year. Um, Not stupid because it was to raise money for charity, it was for Sam's stillbirth and neonatal death charity but stupid because I'm not a very good runner, very slow um, and not very playlist would get me kind of fired up and get me further and also as a midwife we all know who runs the world, it's definitely girls so uh,
0: very on message with that one. Well yeah I love it, I love it, It it's a (laughs) hype tune, it definitely gets you going Yeah for sure. (laughs) Right and now we have our would you rather question. So would you rather remember every conversation you have or remember everything that you read? Oh that's a tough one.
1: I think I'm going to choose everything that I read because obviously there are some conversations we would all choose to forget um, but I think that many of them at work, probably, um, but I think that uh, if I could remember everything I read, I could go back through books that I've loved and also I mean just think what it would do for your midwifery knowledge. it would be unbelievable yeah. so yes,
0: I think i'd go I'd go with I've read as well, definitely I'm much more of a reader and an observer than a yeah, talker. good choice. <laughs> Lovely. So that wraps up our getting to know you around. Sure. Um, and now we're just going to get onto the main bit of our discussion. I've entitled it What What I Wish I'd Known. This segment is basically going to be about advice, little nuggets of knowledge for student midwives and also newly qualified midwives from yourself, which I'm sure lots and lots of people would want to know. So we can jump right into that. Okay. Okay. Um, well, things I wish I'd known. I think,
1: I mean, since writing a book, a lot of student advisors very kindly contacted me for advice and input and things. And I, um, that was kind of lovely and unexpected side effect of, of being an author, because I don't think of myself as an expert, as somebody who's particularly wise. But the thing that I always say to students is just to be kind to yourself and go easy on yourself. And I think I think I wish that was something that maybe I had taken more to heart when I was a student, especially at the start, because we all understand when we begin a degree that academically it will be challenging and there will be a lot of kind of knowledge to take on and things to learn. But what we don't really always take on board is the huge kind of lifestyle change that it will be as well. Um, especially if you have other caring responsibilities, if you have a family or maybe you've been working and earning a wage up until that point. Um, But also, I think what I didn't really realise until I started my training, um, especially on placement, is that when you... Go into the NHS either as a student midwife or a student nurse or junior doctor, you're actually entering a completely different culture. So not only, yes, so not only are you trying to sort of get book knowledge, but maybe something you don't realize at the time is you're also trying to assimilate or integrate into this completely different culture. Like when you work in a hospital, it's like its own mini universe.
0: Definitely, definitely. definitely.
1: Um, It has its own language. It has its own um, moral code, its own sort of behavioural code. Everybody seems to know everybody except you. And you come in as this kind of ignorant, naive person trying to um, insinuate yourself into peer groups and understand group dynamics. And I think I underestimated at the start how challenging that would be. I mean, I'm not a very naturally extrovert person and this is probably more than I've even spoken (laughs) all week (laughs) so um, I'm not naturally the kind of person who um, really throws themselves into sort of new group situations and things so I think looking back as a student I would say go easy on yourself and understand that not only are you acquiring book knowledge but um, it's very emotionally tiring to insert yourself into this new culture as well so understand that you're doing that and give yourself a break I
0: would say that's that's such good advice um because I'm a I'm a introvert by heart as well so for me I'm always nervous about the whole being new not knowing people and how I'm supposed to get to know people because I'm not like one of those really really outgoing people I'm more of the kind of that will take a back seat and that will observe yeah I'm friendly and I will talk and you know but it I'm not gonna automatically kind of put myself out there which um is something that I'm trying to do more of but in my own little way so um that's a really really good point about um it not just being about learning and, like, you know, book knowledge, it's about, you know, fitting into like the multidisciplinary team and figuring out, like, you know, the ins and outs and different relationships. And yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, a, that's really good advice. Thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, and so, continuing on with the being kind to yourself, I think another thing that I think is really important is just self care in general. For not only students but newly qualified, like established midwives, everybody really, because of how demanding a role being a midwife is. And what, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah self-care is definitely really important and um, not to show my age or anything but uh, it's actually almost exactly 10 years since I started my training and at that time self-care wasn't even a thing like I don't think that was even a term that existed it's a very kind of millennial sort of now kind of term and if somebody had said to me at the time you know what self-care are you doing during your training I'd be like well I brush my teeth. I mean, I don't know. I wash my clothes. <laughs> like I wouldn't have really understood that um I was supposed to take care of myself in addition to caring for all these lovely women and, and their babies and families. It just would have been a completely alien concept to me. Um, because when I started my training, you know, I've got two girls who at the time I think were maybe like, uh, well, they would have been three and seven, that was a full-time job in and of itself. All I could fit into the day really was kind of caring for them and caring for the women I was looking after, you know, on placement um, and just sort of getting by. But I, I realise now that that's um, a recipe for disaster and it was. Um, and it's very true, this expression that people throw around all the time now, which is you can't pour from an empty cup. Mm. Um, and I think I've probably learned that the hard way trying to just... Poor and poor and poor for everybody else, and not look after myself. So uh, it doesn't come naturally to me, but I have to really force myself now to do things and to fit things into my day that are what you would call self care. So, for example, in um, the last few weeks, uh, my youngest has been back at school. So, on my days off now, I force myself to go for a run a very slow run first thing in the morning Um I feel so much better for it even if it's raining sometimes especially if it's raining. It, yeah
0: I, I was gonna say it's quite nice sometimes when it's raining.
1: Yeah and we get lots of that in Scotland so that's not a problem um, and uh, you know a lot of the projects that I'm working on in my days off involve spending a lot of time on screens checking emails looking at my phone or spending hours writing stuff um, and I really have learned to remind myself that not really great doing that all day and to take a break you know give myself an hour for lunch go for a walk sit with my dog put something in the oven I mean it sounds really stupid it sounds really basic but if I'm in the middle of a very stressful time those things can give me structure and kind of headspace in my day and I think even if or especially if you're working a 12-hour shift um, I know some people like to just roll out of bed and get to work but I always like to get up an hour early yeah <laughs> Jeff, I can see you <laughs> shaking your head and um, I have to sit and have my breakfast at the kitchen table look at Twitter check emails whatever just like a little bit of space in my day and then I mean even th- if you're having a hellish shift even things like um, bring a nice coffee to work over the last few months like I got these really cheap one pound pack of tea tree face wipes and I brought them in and even just to give yourself like a fresh wipe when you take your mask off can make you feel like oh I'm human again like that actually smells nice and maybe now I won't get spots at the end of my shift. so um, it's really important I think to build in these tiny moments into your day um, because if you don't then
0: you'll it'll catch up with you really quickly yeah, that's really, really important for everyone to kind of look after themselves. You look after yourself, then you're more able to look after, you know, other people. So take care of yourselves out there. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, so another thing I wanted to discuss, Leah, was when you, I remember when I, I think it must have been when I first got onto delivery suite. It was like my first shift. So Obviously I wouldn't care. And the midwife had to, I introduced myself to the, the woman that we were looking after and the midwife had to just nip out for something. And I remember she was like, oh, I'll be back in a few minutes. You just stay here. And then she left, and I was like, "Oh my god, oh my god! Like, what do I do?" They're looking at me as if like I'm like I know what I'm doing, and I have no idea. And sometimes I think that now I'm a lot more comfortable now um, communicating with women and their families, and, and and. that first like i think the first couple of weeks where i just felt like i just had like this neon sign over my head saying she's not a real midwife <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> kind of shaking that feeling to say no you know i i want to be here i'm supposed to be here and um you know obviously i don't know everything now but i'm learning but it's just that feeling like oh just feeling like a giant imposter and mm-hmm. does that feeling kind of go Or do you always fit a bit? Oh, God.
1: Yeah, I mean, yes and no, I think is the answer. Like, I think I, can you see the sign behind my head right now? Because I think I still have one. I mean, I don't know at what point in your life you get to the point where you think, yeah, I'm a midwife, like, it's totally cool. I know stuff, I can do my job. I mean, obviously your confidence will grow and, and for some people more than others. But I think to a certain extent, It's good to understand that you never stop learning. Midwifery is a journey. I mean, the day that any of us thinks that we can do anything, handle anything, we probably should leave, actually, Mm. Um, because you need to always be questioning. You need to be curious. However, having said that, um, on a more positive note, I think even the newest student midwife needs to recognise the bravery and strength it's taken to even get herself or himself to that first day of placement you know, even just to put that uniform on and walk into that hospital or clinic or birth unit takes serious balls or ovaries, whatever way you want to put it. (laughs) I mean, it's very difficult to even put yourself into that situation. So you really should give yourself credit for just turning up. And the more you turn up, the more the confidence will come. There's a lot to be said for just fake it till you feel it. Um, I mean, people laugh Mm -hmm. when I say that, but it's really true. Um, We know that studies have been done that show that, Patients will trust their caregivers more if they are warm and empathetic than if they're cold but competent, if you see what I mean. So like if you have a sort of relatively warm, confident bedside manner, not that you should just wing it and kid on that you can do everything when you can't, at all. But if if you have that manner that inspires a rapport, um, it doesn't actually matter if you're really junior. You know, the people you're looking after will, will have an element of trust and will be able to recognize that in you. So you can only work with what you've got. Um, and you know you may still feel like something of an imposter in 20 years time but you should recognize that just turning up every day day after day shift after shift means something so that that's quite an achievement
0: already. I think lots of people will appreciate that um, especially for I mean students such as myself who have missed quite a lot of placement this year due to Covid um, mm. so I've just done I've been back a month now and it's strange but I feel even though we have missed so much I feel a lot more confident like quietly confident in myself and um and how I am with with women and families and how I've kind of slotted into the team so even though we've had like a massive chunk missing from how I was at the beginning of first year to how I feel now it's it's, it's kind of, I've, I only started thinking about it the other day, like I'm a lot more confident with things and that's just come naturally with, with time, even though we've missed quite a lot of it. So, Obviously, at the beginning, everything it seems like you're at the foot of Everest. But before you know it, you're at base camp and don't quite know how you got there. I mean, you just keep climbing, really. So.
1: That's good. And I think that's really important to recognise that sometimes time off or time away from the clinical area can actually be part of your development as well. And um, I mean, I can only imagine it must be really challenging for you guys to feel like you've you've sort of missed or postponed part of your training. But you've probably been doing stuff in that time that has built you as a person and encouraged your confidence I mean certainly you know if you've been parenting through a pandemic like (laughs) that's that is some major stuff right there yeah so if you've done that you can do anything um and uh you know we all do even if you're not a parent you know that's just an example but we we all have dealt with stuff over the last few months that um has been difficult but character building so uh yeah absolutely that should give you the confidence to move on and that will give you new sort of reflections and skills to take into your practice.
0: So I mentioned briefly about working within uh, as part of a multidisciplinary team how did you find Finding your way and fitting in with that and knowing who did what and how did you find that part of your learning
1: you mean in terms of um, working alongside medical staff yeah and the, the wider team yeah it's hard and again I think when you're a really junior student it goes back to what I was saying earlier about inserting yourself into that culture because it's like being in this family that has like a million aunties and uncles and like you like all the midwives know about the doctor's kids and they're asking about where they went on holiday and they're like joking with each other about their tinder profiles and like you know stuff that's it's quite um <laughs> like, yeah it's a lot stuff that's quite casual and intimate and you're like oh my god like I don't even know what like a posterior fornix is let alone where he went on his holiday like how, <laughs> this is ridiculous how can anybody learn this and so it's hard because it's that that combination of wanting to be professional and knowledgeable, but also wanting to be like kind of cool and like fit into the team. And again, that only comes with time. I mean, all you can do at the start is just be competent and, um, you know, stay within your remit. If somebody asks you for a bag of fluids, get a bag of fluids. You can't be the doctor's best friend. You literally can just identify and get the bag of fluids. Like That's all you can do. Um, but it comes with time and Over time, it becomes really, really enjoyable. I mean, the area that I work in at the moment um, and where I've worked for the better part of the last few years is triage. And because of the nature of what comes into triage, which is anything and everything, we work really closely with um, the medical staff and the multidisciplinary team. And it's actually part of my job that I really enjoy. Um, I do love normality and that is why I became a midwife. But surprisingly, I found myself really enjoying the really sort of quote, high risk medical stuff as well and working with the team and problem solving and learning from each other and um, reacting together to really difficult situations has been really enjoyable and rewarding and even for an introvert like me and uh, and also those sort of late night chats in the tea room where you do get to know people and you do get to sort of have an insight into their lives is is really special Um, because let's face it, like you'll you'll share moments with these people that are heartbreaking and that are joyful and you'll see each other cry and be frustrated and laughing. And, you know, you'll have sort of peak emotional moments that are oftentimes more intense than what's going on with your own family day to day. So, yeah, it's really hard to kind of know where you fit in that dynamic as a very junior member of staff or a student, but again, it comes with time you know you you can't be everybody's best friend immediately um or ever really, but you you will fit into that
0: team, you will find your niche eventually that's um that's definitely something i I really really like about the way well medical teams work because it's not just one person doing everything it's everyone kind of doing their bit to work for work towards an end goal which I really like. I mean, it can be a struggle sometimes um, but um I really like that way of working everyone kind of pitching in and everyone um doing everything they can for each other as well. So yeah yeah,
1: yeah. on that note actually um again my my oldest daughter is going off to uni uh, next week actually to study medicine and when she got her letter of acceptance she was like oh mum someday I'll be in charge of you and I was like no you won't <laughs> not ever no you will not and I said one thing you will learn very quickly is that the doctors are not in charge of the midwives you work as a team and that's that's really true um and uh, if you ever feel intimidated by medical staff that's something to remember is that you know we, we all are important and we all definitely are part of that team she won't forget that in a
0: hurry <laughs> no no no, <laughs> no. <laughs> So what would you say are kind of some things that you learn or tips that you have about academic study? Uh,
1: You mean in terms of like how to organise your time or resources that were useful?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: It's a good question. I think everybody has a different style of learning and a different style of organizing their day. Like I'm quite neurotic and I like to really like organize everything to the nth degree. I will be that person with the color coded index cards before the exam and I will be, yes, <laughs> I see you there. Um, and so for some people that really helps and other people are a bit more like, well, kind of all over the place and somehow it comes together. So a lot of, you know, that, that will just depend on your own personal style. In terms of actual academic learning. Um, I would just say, like, read widely if you can. And that doesn't have to be textbooks. It can be um, magazines. It could be online resources. I I mean, it's ridiculous to say that, actually, I learn a lot about midwifery from social media. Some of it can be a bit crazy and unreliable. But if you follow accounts that... um, are really good with like up to date research or letting you know about new studies and evidence that's coming out like it doesn't have to be super brainy it can just be something that you log on for 10 minutes every day and you learn something new um and i would say if there's something that you're interested in or something that you see in practice that kind of blows your mind a bit like let's say you see a really cool placenta some you know one day or something and you're like well why is there an extra lobe in that placenta go and read about it go go and find out just for your own learning um and it will come in handy someday so um yeah like you will have the stuff that's been assigned to you by uni and definitely you should do that but part of midwifery is kind of learning what pushes your buttons and and you know what really does it for you so if you find an area that that does it for you and, and pushes that button, then then read around it in your own time, because it'll never be a waste of time, I would say.
0: Retweet, retweet that. Um, I also, yes, yes. <laughs> the, the, the little and often thing as well, because when you look at all the, ooh, when you look at all the information and studies and um, things that we need to know, it can be a bit overwhelming. Uh, you can feel, oh my God, I've got, I've somehow fit all this stuff into my brain. But when you, you just need to break it down I think so little and often is definitely way to go I think yes. that, that's what works for me because I if I like look at a stack of things and I start freaking out but you know just tackle it a little bit at a time and um just be consistent with that that really yeah. that really helps
1: hmm. Yeah, I would also say, you know, if you're in placement and you really are like clicking with your mentor or even if it's somebody that like you don't normally work with, but you've just been assigned to work with her or him that day, like use them as, you know, be a sponge next to them that day, because a lot of times all the little like cool facts that will stick in your head can just come from um, an offhand conversation or a case of somebody that you're looking after. So uh, if you're more the kind of person that learns by like seeing and watching, then make the most of those people who are generous with their knowledge, because that can be really kind of life-changing
0: yeah that's an excellent point really good point actually um always kind of being open to saying yes to things or you know someone says you know do you want to come and see this just say yes yeah for <laughs> sure always that you you get to learn so much um mm-hmm. so yeah I definitely recommend that as well yeah so the last thing I wanted to touch on was um, something that's really that I'm finding is becoming more and more important to myself. I think since starting this degree and um, meeting women and doing like doing the work, like being in practice and things like that, it's kind of awoken <laughs> my inner activist, and I feel like I've got I've just found my purpose and. For me now, it's how I kind of dig deep and find and use my voice as someone who will be a birth worker. But for someone who also who is an introvert, it's a bit of a struggle, like trusting myself and knowing that what I say does make sense. And um, I Mm. do have important things to say. What kind of advice would you give for students who are also... It may not be on the same you know same as myself, but finding your voice to ask questions or to um, be more assertive in practice or even if they have like suggestions for um, for uni for the mid or for their to, about their teaching how did you find your voice and how would you advise people on how to do that
1: it's a really good question. I think again it's a matter of just like turning up again and again. It's a matter of like trying to ask a question, trying to make a point again and again. And at first it will be maybe a bit intimidating or even embarrassing. But the more that you raise your voice, the easier it becomes and the more you will find it. Um, I mean, I never really set out to kind of make waves or to use my voice or to have a voice particularly. But when I was thinking about writing hard pushed, um, There were a lot of things about the system I was working in that I found really challenging and really provoked me. And I kind of reflected on it actually as a parent. And I thought, well, I'm raising these two young women and I'm telling them all the time, your voice matters. What you say is worthy. You know, you have as much a right to be heard as anybody else. And yet I'm not walking that walk. I'm just thinking about it and I'm just being sort of shy and nervous and nobody wants to hear what I have to say. So um so I I sort of forced myself to to step up and put myself out there and very fortunately um there were some people who wanted to hear what I had to say and now I find myself in a great position of being able to amplify other people's voices which I think is much more important than what I have to say. Um so I think it's, it's good to realize that finding your voice isn't just something that happens one day. It's an arc, it's a journey um, and it starts with like little baby steps. And if you can take those little steps um, and just sort of put your hand up or ask that question or make that point, then ultimately, you know, there are people watching you that maybe they're too shy to make that point on that day, but because you've done it in the future, maybe they will feel able to do it. Um, I mean, I'm very much a believer in the expression of you can't be what you can't see and really what that means to me is that um you know we we all are looking for role models we all are looking for inspiration at every stage of our careers no matter what our background or or our um, ideology and so if you can be that person who has a voice um, and can ask difficult questions sometimes, um, which might not always be well received, but at least you've asked the question, then I guarantee there will be somebody else that can see what you're doing and, and that gives them the, the hope that maybe they could be that as well. So um, I think it's important. I think you, again, need to go easy on yourself. We, we can't all change the world in one day. But if you can ask a good question or you can make a difference to one woman so much more than what most people can hope to do. So definitely stick with it, I would say.
0: Fabulous. Thank you. Oh, I wish we could go on and on and on and on. But I've come to the (laughs) end of my questions and I know you've got got other things that you need to to be getting on with. But I just wanted to say thank you so, so much, Leah, uh, for joining me. And um, I'm sure um, people that are listening will really, really appreciate all these um, kind of tips and hints that you've you've given. Um, Really, really helpful. So thank you.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's great to do these things because I think... I was thinking about this before I came on to chat with you. And I think the longer that you are a midwife, um, it's very easy sometimes to become a bit bitter and kind of jaded about challenges that exist in our profession. And there always seems like there's so much that is wrong as well as right. But um, I love doing things like this because I think when, when speaking to students or people who are at the start of their careers, you remember that enthusiasm and that idealism and that that willingness to change. So I get as much or more out of these things than than you do, I'm sure. Um, and if it's helpful to anybody, I'm really glad. So
0: thank you for having me. Oh, that's brilliant. And if you haven't already, please, please, please um, get a copy of Leah's book, um, Hard Pushed. I read it just before I started uni, actually, last year. And I'm so glad I did because, first of all, I was blown away by some of the stories that you shared. Um, I'm not going to put anything away, but there some really amazing, like, happy, sad, funny. Like, it was just really really good but what I really really appreciated was like the realness like I know I knew going into this degree that midwifery is not all sunshine rainbows and lollipops um you kept it 100% real um and I really really appreciated that and I'm sure a lot of people who have read the book really appreciate that too so thank you thank you for writing the book thank you for being oh, the thank Cinderella. you
1: <laughs> so thank you Leah okay lovely to talk
0: to you bye-bye
1: bye
0: So we're almost at the end of another episode. Thank you so much for joining me. I'd like to end with a really quick poem by Rupi Kaur. Of course I want to be successful, but I don't crave success for me. I need to be successful to gain enough milk and honey to help those around me succeed. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Black Mum to Midwife podcast. Catch me over on Instagram to keep up with my midwifery journey and stay up to date with all upcoming podcast episodes.